National National Conference. Uh, it's all there, ready to go. But actually, this morning, God, just as I was about ready to leave, God said, I actually want you to talk on something. Um, and it's a, it's a verse that I, I really actually use in, in church. It's commonly used in other churches around the time of the offering. Now, we don't do that formal offering thing here. I'm not 100% sure whether we shouldn't, but for the time being anyway, we don't. We have a box down the back, which is marked tithes and offerings. And most years I spend a whole month preaching on generosity. Now, we haven't actually done that for a couple of years, and, and I may, uh, I really try and hear from God and preach on what he tells me to preach rather than planning something myself. But this morning, he said, I want you to start with Malachi 3.8, which is a verse everybody would be aware of, and it's a verse which is used pretty frequently in churches around the whole um, offering uh, component of the service. Malachi 3.8 through to 3.10 goes like this. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Now, actually, I'm not using this verse today to convince you that you should be giving more to the church. I'm actually using it because I want to make a point about the difference between the new covenant and the old covenant. If you have a look through through Malachi, it really is the record of a conversation. And at some points, it's a little bit difficult to tell whether the conversation is between God and the priests or God and the people. And this particular part of Malachi, there's considerable debate among theologians about whether or not this is part of a discussion with the priests or with the people. I think I should read for you a couple of verses before verse 8. This is God speaking. For I am the Lord, I do not change. Therefore, you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. So God made a promise. He made a promise to Abraham and that went down through that patriarchal line. So Jacob inherited the promise that God had made to Abraham. And then Israel inherited the promise. And then we inherit the promise as New Testament followers of Jesus. So God has an argument with the people because they are not living according to his law. Parts of it, for sure, are an argument between God and the priests. It's fairly clear in some parts that that is so. 
Parts of it appear to be an argument between God and the people. But he's saying he's got this long list of grievances against the people. And they clearly don't understand because they keep coming back to God with questions. Therefore, you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. So God is actually making reference to the covenant he made. And that covenant stands regardless of how Israel actually behave. So ultimately, the promise that God made to Abraham will bear fruit. And and many people would argue that, that the second half of that period of tribulation, the second three and a half years, is God dealing with Israel. It's called the time of sorrows or the time of troubles. But God does not consume them. He never gives up. Yet from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, in what way shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me, but you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. And so it goes. Now, I think there's a really important verse here or really important um, phrase here. You see, when God says, and try me now in this, this is in relation to obeying the law, in this case, the law of tithing and of offering. If you do, you see this, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Now, some years ago, I was attracted to this idea of the windows of heaven. Let's go back to Deuteronomy chapter 28. This I'm reading from uh, verse 9. Now, just, just bear in mind that uh, Deuteronomy 28 is sometimes known as the, 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 the chapter of blessings and of curses. And God said, To Israel. Now it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord. And then it goes on to say, blessed shall you be in the city and blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground and the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall be you when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. See the mats we have at the top of the stairs there. It quotes that scripture. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses and in all to which you set your hand. And he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Verses 9 through to 12, I believe, are very important. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself 
Just as he has sworn to you, if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways, then all the peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord and they shall be afraid of you. That means they shall take notice of you. And the Lord will grant you plenty of goods in the fruit of your body, in the increase of your livestock and in the produce of your ground, in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. Here in verse 12 is a really important scripture. The Lord will open to you his good treasure, the heavens, to give the rain to your land in its season and to bless all the work of your hand. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. Here, I believe, is the link with Malachi 3.8. God makes all of these promises of blessing to Israel contingent upon them obeying his commandments. In other words, fulfilling the law. The reference in Malachi chapter 3 is a reference back here to Deuteronomy. And what God is saying to Israel, sometimes through the priest and sometimes directly to Israel, you have not upheld my law you have not lived lives according to my law now the way we deal with um, financial blessing is always an indicator of the state of our heart if we withhold that's an indicator of the state of our heart that's why generosity is such an important principle in christianity because a generous um Relationship with our money is indicative of a heart of generosity. But see, the, the windows of heaven is an expression which is used quite a few times in the Old Testament. And, and when the windows open, blessing comes down. In this case, it's the blessing of rain in due season. And that's what God is referring to, I believe, in Malachi um, 3, 8 through to 10. It's a reference back here to that important um, chapter in Deuteronomy. I want also to refer to uh, Deuteronomy chapter 15. I don't do this very often, you know. I usually come with all my scriptures printed out, nicely prepared PowerPoint. Uh, This is um, some of the the, the law surrounding uh, the year of Jubilee in Deuteronomy 15. At the end of every seven years, you shall grant a release of debt. And this is the form of the release. Every creditor who has lent anything to his neighbour shall release it. He shall not require it of his neighbour or his brother because it is called the Lord's release. Of a foreigner, you may require it, but you shall give up your claim to what is owed to your brother except when there may be no poor among you. For the Lord will greatly bless you in the land the Lord your God is giving to you to possess as an inheritance. Only if you carefully obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe with care all these commandments which I command you today. For the Lord your God will bless you just as he promised you. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. You shall reign over many nations, but they shall not reign over you so what God is saying here actually is that there is a promise 
of prosperity which is contingent upon obeying every command of God. You know, the reason I don't use Malachi 3, 8 to 10 usually in talking about um, tithes and offerings is that I think Jesus set a higher standard and that you will find in the book of Acts where he simply is quoted as saying it is more blessed to give than to receive. But that's not the point uh, that I want to make. You see, all of the blessings are contingent upon fulfilment of the law. But what did Jesus say about himself? He said this, I, Jesus, I have fulfilled the law and the prophets. I have fulfilled the law and the prophets. He lived as a Jew. He lived under the law. He followed that law without fault. He fulfilled it. He fulfilled every jot and every tittle. He said himself, none of it will pass away. None of it will pass away. The law stands today as it stood in Old Testament times. There's one big difference. Jesus fulfilled it and he fulfilled it on our behalf. The blessings that are listed there in Deuteronomy 28, they are made available to us today as nations, as any kind of body corporate and as individuals through faith in Jesus Christ. Our blessing is not contingent upon us keeping the law. Our blessing is contingent upon our faith in Jesus Christ. Our faith that in fact he did fulfill the law, that he fulfilled everything the prophets of old said about him. One of the complaints that God had against Israel that is listed there in Malachi is that they were not careful about their sacrifices. He refers to them sacrificing blind animals. But you see, the sacrifice, not the tithe, the tithe was every tenth animal, regardless of whether or not there were any flaws in its body. But the sacrifices were meant to be sacrifices of animals that were absolutely and totally unblemished. But what was happening in Malachi's time was that they were offering the rubbish to God, right? But see, Jesus became the sacrificial lamb. He was only able to be the sacrificial lamb because he was absolutely unblemished. He lived a sinless life. 
something we aspire to, but most of us will probably never achieve. And God, in his grace, has actually imputed his unblemished life to us. It is an absolutely mind-boggling thing that God did. He used the law to teach us about sin. To teach us about all of those things which he found obnoxious. And, and a lot of the law, outside of the ceremonial law, a lot of that law is about good living. Looking after the poor, the widows, the orphans. Engaging in the marketplace. I, I love Proverbs eleven twenty six. The people will curse him who withholds grain, but there is a blessing for him who releases it. If you look through the whole panoply of, of Old Testament law, it's all about living a good life. The sacrifices, they pointed to Jesus. They were prophetic at all of those feasts. With all of those sacrifices, they were prophetic. They were pointing the people towards Jesus. No longer do we have to tick off a list of law before we can access the blessing. We access the blessing because of Jesus. So for us as, as New Testament Christians, it's not about fulfilling a law of nicely calculated less or more. It's not about managing our finances so that we can give 10% down to three decimal points to the church. You can access the blessings even if you don't tithe. Through faith. Now, I do happen to think there's another issue that comes in generosity and honour. But my point today is not about whether or not you should tithe. My point today is that you access the blessings by actually believing what Jesus said that He fulfilled the law and the prophets, and He did it on our behalf. He lived under that law. He obeyed that law perfectly, right down to every jot and every tittle. Because as he said, none of it shall pass away. The law is still there. It's now written on our hearts. And it's written on our hearts because heart often refers to spirit. Our spirits are regenerated at the point of our salvation. So when that happens, God's law becomes engraved on our hearts. And then the Holy Spirit guides us in terms of how we should live. Years ago, I, I got a booklet. It was published by the denomination that I was part of back then. And 
it was basically saying we should all be poor. And they gave some theological reasons, which I don't really think are very strong reasons. The problem with being poor is that we can't help the poor and the orphans and the widows. You look at the early church, one of the things I pointed out last week was that it wasn't too long before they actually had to set up systems in the new church to ensure that the welfare was actually distributed in an efficient and effective manner. And if you have a look at the whole of the New Testament, you will see that there were wealthy Christians who supported the early church. But they did it not because they were following some law. They did it because they loved the Lord and it blessed them to release to the Lord. It isn't really a Malachi 3.8 thing. God is not saying to us today, you tithe and then I'll open the windows of heaven and pour my blessing down. You tithe through faith. You live through faith. Every breath you take, you take through faith. And it is faith in Jesus, what he did to usher in that new covenant. It's faith in that which will lead you to the blessings of Deuteronomy 28. I don't believe that in any way, shape or form, God desires those blessings to be inoperative in the New Testament church. But they operate in a different way. You know, Paul refers to this new covenant as a better covenant. It is a better promise because it's not based on our performance. It's based on what Jesus did on our behalf. It's quite an amazing thing. When you sit and think about it, that God made the way for us through Jesus. I don't believe that we should reject the idea of prosperity. And we were in Auckland last week, as you know, and uh, we stayed in a hotel which was reasonably priced, but it was a little bit out of the CBD. And there's poverty everywhere. I just cannot help but think that as nations reject the Lord, as, as governments become more and more, as it were, secular, that that whole basis of the Christian faith about aspiration, about blessing to be a blessing, it kind of disappears from the culture altogether. And people can't have a bigger vision than the government will provide for me. And governments can never provide enough. They will never provide enough to get people up and out of poverty. They cannot, and I often think they don't want to anyway because it suits their own purposes to have people dependent upon them. Who are we dependent upon? 
We're dependent upon God. And we should be confident in Him because of the promises. Whenever we read Malachi 3 verses 8 through 10, who made it possible for God to open His treasures, the windows of heaven, and pour out a blessing such as our storehouses cannot contain? Jesus, it's not us. We cannot behave in a way that causes God to bless us. We cannot jump up and down and huff and puff and call prosperity down from heaven. We humbly submit to Jesus as the Lord of our life and God opens his treasures, the windows of heaven. And he pours out a blessing such as we cannot contain. And I can tell you why it's a blessing that we cannot contain. Because he wants us to do something with the overflow. He wants us to do something with the overflow. When we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, that's going to take resources. We need a church which is strong enough, strong enough in all uh, facets of resources to actually be able to work with him to bring the kingdom. Um, We passed the Radio Rima headquarters in uh, Auckland as we were driving out to the airport the other day. And, um, you know, this is New Zealand. They started this radio ministry, which is now all over the world. In Australia, through Vision Christian Media, they've got their Australian office just down here in Springwood. They've got offices in Europe, all over the Pacific, started with a little tiny vision back there in New Zealand. And, um, you know, this comes from that overflow, from our storehouses being filled to overflowing. It's the overflow that God provides that underwrites his kingdom on the earth. Can I encourage you You know, read, by all means, read through the whole of that book of Malachi. It's very insightful. But don't read it from a legalistic point of view. Jesus died so that we might access the blessings. And it's not just the financial blessings. It's blessings in every area of our lives. So that certainly includes physical, material blessing. But it includes spiritual blessing. Mental, emotional blessing. Blessing in our soul areas. It includes financial blessing. By all means, it certainly does. It includes a social blessing. It includes blessing in terms of family relationships, neighbourhood relationships, relationships in our workplace, relationships in our broader community. Blessing in those areas. It includes physical blessing too, blessing of our bodies. It's all available if we have faith that Jesus did it. When he made that simple statement, I have fulfilled the law and the prophet that changed the way in which God's people access his blessing. It all comes because Jesus 
allowed himself to go to the cross as a sacrificial lamb. It is through his death and resurrection that the windows of heaven open and the blessings of God literally rain out or rain down and fill our storehouses. Father, we, we thank you for the encouraging truth of your word. Lord, we, we thank you that what is recorded here in the Old Testament is for our benefit. Lord, there's not a, a chapter, not a verse, not even one single word there that is a waste of our time when we read it. We thank you, Lord, that as we read through the Old Testament, we begin to understand who you are and who we are. Lord, in particular, we begin to understand how lost we are if we try to live by law and reject what you have offered to us freely through Jesus Christ. And Father, as you read through the New Testament, we see that Jesus is the fulfilment of all of the sacrifices in the Old Testament. Lord, he fulfilled the whole of that ceremonial law and we don't have to do that anymore. Father, thank you that he fulfilled the civil law or all of the law, the whole of the law. There was nothing there that he did not fulfill on our behalf. Lord, thank you that your law is now written on our hearts that our spirits have been regenerated, Lord, through the new birth when we became Christians. Father, we thank you that your Holy Spirit guides us in every decision that we make. Father, we thank you that you do desire that our storehouses be filled to overflowing. And out of that overflow, Lord God, we would support all of those ministries that you work through to bring your kingdom on earth and to see your will be done. Lord, we never, ever want to take for granted our position with you. We thank you that you loved us so much that you gave up your son, that we shouldn't perish, but we should have everlasting life, life that starts this moment. Father, thank you. That because Jesus fulfilled the law and the prophets, we have access to all of the blessings that are set out in your law in the Old Testament through faith in Jesus. Father, thank you that we don't have to huff and puff and scream and shout to get you to move on our behalf. You've already moved. And we thank you, Lord, that in every situation, in which we find ourselves, we can look to you as provider and protector because of what Jesus did. Lord, we just want to say to you today, we're grateful. We are grateful that we somehow or other responded to the wooing of your Holy Spirit and we said yes to Jesus. We thank you, Lord God, that we can aspire to be in a better position tomorrow than we are today. Father, we thank you that ultimately you are the one who releases to us blessing in every area of life, financial, mental, social, spiritual, physical. Lord, every area. 
Father, thank you that there's no area of my life that you're not interested in. Thank you, Lord, that there's not an area in anyone's life meeting here today in which you are not vitally interested. Father, I pray now, Lord God, that you would open our eyes to the glorious, wonderful, empowering truth that through the death of Jesus, we have access to all of your blessing. Father, thank you that your desire is to open your treasures, the windows of heaven, and to pour out such a blessing as our storehouses cannot contain. Lord, we say we are grateful and we thank you that by your Holy Spirit, we will be good stewards of what you release to us. And we pray in the name of Jesus.